Hey everybody, welcome to the podcast. How are you? Hey, Coach Matt here. Glad you took a couple of minutes to follow along with me here today, wherever you are at and whatever you are doing. Greatly appreciate it. Hey, you know something? I, I was uh, doing some research on this particular topic and kind of want to start out very quickly with, you know, most anybody can plant a plant. Most people can mow a lawn. Even some people can prune a hedge fairly well. But how many can put in a paver patio or driveway? That is what we're talking about today. We're talking about hardscape forms, fashions, preps, and care. Are you with me? I'm glad you're here. Let's get started. Hey, I'm Matt. You can call me coach. Every Friday, I bring with me landscape DIY education, concepts and theories, ideas and solutions, so you guys can go out and tackle a landscape project yourself, get professional results, save a whole lot of money in the process, and in this day and age, be a lot more self-reliant. Man, after a 20 plus year career in the green industry, I'm bringing with me a lot of knowledge and experience that I wanna share with you guys, the new, modern, educated, self-reliant homeowner of today. So let's kind of define, let's define the word hardscape before we go too much farther into this. And this is only my definition. I'm sure there's a definition out there that is accepted more, but I kind of define it as anything in a residential or commercial landscape that is not living and that does not directly serve the growing portion of said landscape. Now, I know what some of you are already thinking. I really do. Coach, hey. What about irrigation systems? Hey coach, what about lighting systems? Well, if you think about it, the irrigation system serves the greenery. Am I right? It is water. Lighting oftentimes highlights both greenery and hardscape. So it's kind of there, it's in the fringe, so to speak. I, admittedly, I excluded this from the hardscape definition, as do most of my fellow professionals in the industry. What hardscape mostly refers to is the durable surfaces and the structural surfaces of a landscape. Custom builds in the landscape like driveways and walkways, outdoor kitchens, fire pits, water features, sheds, RV parking areas, and in some cases, doggo runs, etc. These are the hardscape elements that we're talking about today. You know, I really want to focus first on those durable surfaces because it is one of the facets of landscaping that is ignored in importance and undersized in application. It really is. When a DIYer first hears the term landscaping, most of the time walkways, driveways, patios, etc., don't leap to the forefront of the conversation. We often think more greenery right out of the gate. What kind of trees we want? Oh, I think we need a hedge over there. I'd like to plant some tulips. I like et cetera, et cetera. So let's talk about patios, walkways, and driveways. Now, in some rural or remote homestead locations in the country or world, we often don't think in the form of paver block walkways and driveways. We don't even think concrete or similar type of surfacing materials. Most of the time, it is a road-based driveway with maybe a, uh, a half inch or three quarter inch type of crushed rock material down over the top of that base. And maybe in a widened area 
where parking is available. And around the house in these rural or remoter areas, it's kind of more au natural. Most of the time, no walkways even exist at some of these more remote locations. The walkway is where you put your feet and that's your walkway. But I'm kind of directing this towards more of the, the suburban, is that a word? <laughs> For more of you guys in the suburbs and in planned communities in and around cities where a lot of us have lived. So in that case, when it comes down to those durable surfaces, it may only be maybe a, a driveway apron or a small front patio apron type of thing. And then in the backyard, unless you have a builder that really goes all out, you generally have that little stupid step off the master bedroom and off the family room slider if you bought kind of a rubber stamp type of home. Now, when we refer to the suburbs, say the, not the remote stuff, but maybe a half, one, maybe three, five, 10 acre type of places, folks often start to really ornamentalize and domesticate their landscapes then. Maybe you do have cement driveways, maybe pavement, you know, asphalt type of driveways. You start to get into walkways and, and larger formal patios when you get into these type of suburbs. But one of the things that I've always seen is everybody undersizes everything. They don't consider like back patios, they don't consider how much furniture they have or will have and will it serve the number of people that are gonna occupy it? I have seen people say, oh, I'm gonna make a big back patio. It's gonna be 16 by 16. And then they start putting lounge chairs and patio furniture, tables and umbrellas, barbecues, and suddenly that 16 by 16 is kind of crammed. But hey, maybe that's the room they have for the, for the time being. When we think of city burbs and planned communities, driveways, you don't have a whole lot of say in what the driveway is going to be. You know, they, they give you the standard 16 foot driveway and that's about it. But driveways are usually very undersized because people have more than one car. The garage oftentimes is overfilled, so maybe only one car can get in there. Or they have a number of people living in the house, especially in this day and age of multi-generational families and there's not a lot of room you know you get out there with a fairly mid-size or large suv and an oversized utility vehicle type of thing and you start opening doors and you it's sometimes it's even hard to get out so what do we do well you kind of get involved in driveway expansion driveways should be a minimum especially rural guys 16 feet turnaround areas should be a minimum of 20 feet and if you have like a little cul-de-sac that comes up around your yard you know you got a little circle driveway at least 16 probably 18 feet in diameter so that you can turn and park very very conveniently and you can have guests that can park and still navigate in and out very very important when it comes to this kind of stuff you know hardscape can be some of the costliest parts of a landscaping project. It really can, especially when it's hired out to the professionals. Paver patios and concrete patios and walkways, in this day and age, prices are really, really high and they're not getting any cheaper than yesterday. I did a little research. It looked like nationwide for the US and I can't speak for the European world or Australia or uh, India or any of the other people that watch this channel, but it tends to hover right around 660 to 725 at the low end 
at the low end per square foot for those kinds of installations. And if you get into the paver patio stuff, fancy concrete finishes with custom colors and stamping, now you can kick that thing up well over $10. And oftentimes what I've seen, where I came from, from Northern California, it can upwards of $14 to $20 a square foot. So think about that. Now, I am talking to you only from the perspective of you going out and getting it done. So why do I focus on this? It is really, guys, it is really part of the landscape where DIYers can lower the cost by doing some or all of it themselves. You can prep up areas where driveways are gonna go or where patios and walkways are gonna go. You can weed it, grade it, put the sub base in if necessary and level everything up nice. And then you can go out there, unless you have family and friends that are good concrete finishers, then you can ask for estimates for uh, just nothing more than pouring and finishing and not all the prep work. It's gonna save you about 40% and sometimes even more. That's how you're able to get into these things without breaking the bank every single time. So suddenly that $12,000 concrete patio or paver patio with a walkway that goes around to the front, instead of $12,000, maybe you're only talking four, 3,500, something like that because you have eliminated a large amount of the labor cost. And suddenly you have what you want within your checkbook's reach. And then what you have saved, put it towards other aspects and your landscape dollar just got stretched a long, long ways. So let's talk about prep for just a little bit. Prep work for most, most all durable surface projects kind of surrounds a few terms that I want you to be aware of. Obviously location, it's gonna be your place. I would 98% guarantee the listeners that are doing this. But more importantly, what's the purpose? What's going to be the purpose of this durable surface? Is it gonna be a driveway? Is it gonna be a simple walkway? Is it gonna be a back patio? Is it gonna be a secondary walkway or driveway to a shop, a shed, whatever? Number two would be grade or slope. Grade and slope is very important as far as water runoff so that nothing flows towards your dwelling. Everything is graded, poured and finished so that you have a, a one, one and a half, even 2% slope from one side of the project to the other side and water is taken away. Now, should you, here's a caveat, should you be in a place where it's very hard to attain that because you are so flat, then consider drainage coming to your rescue. You can put catch basin boxes in the middle of a larger patio and kind of slope the patio half a percent towards this catch basin box and then have that underground under the patio and run it out to wherever the rest of your drainage system goes. Now, another thing, ground prep or site work. This is where you're going to get in there and you're going to start busting dirt up. There's a couple of, couple of ways you can go about having this done by yourself or by others. If it's others, who cares? But you, if you're able to rototill the area, if you're able to rent a uh, small skid steer or even a larger you know, bobcat or whatever, you can rip the ground, pre-soak it and rip it and then come in and either rototill it or scoop it out with a, you know, a toothed bucket and get it down to the grade you need it. I often suggest going deeper than shallower. Go deeper and then come back in with a road base and 
put it down and then compact it down and make sure that your grade is below the threshold of your sliding door, French doors, whatever, at least a half inch, at least, and then be able to uh, slope that away and you'll be fine, you'll be fine. Walkways aren't quite as important, but when I was doing the forming and stuff and then I had a great, great concrete finisher, his name was Tony, and that guy, him and his crew just knew how to finish concrete. There's just no two ways about it. And it's nice if you can find one of those guys. It may take you a time or two. You might have to interview two or three people before you find out, hey, this is this is my guy. But Tony, yeah, he, he kind of taught me, you know, that four foot walkways, which I always suggest if you have the room for it, three and a half is the minimum I ever used, but it was usually always four. And then slope that a half inch from one side to the other, and then your water will evacuate away from your dwelling and not towards it. And then also reinforcement. The term reinforcement comes in. Some places don't always reinforce stuff, but then again, those are oftentimes the places that get frost heave and other stuff. And if you don't have that, that basket wire reinforcement, the concrete wire or rebar reinforcement, that's where you start seeing cracks and lifts and other stuff from trees and whatnot. So consider it as part of your durable surface budget. And obviously I'm only addressing, I'm only addressing concrete pours here and not the patio paver stuff. That's a whole nother thing we'll cover in a few minutes. So forming correctly, making sure that you have the forms and the staking substantial enough to hold the, the outward force of the pour when you do it. Reinforcement, should it be called for, like I just spoke about, and then consider thickness and sack mix. Most of the time, patios and walkways, you can get away with two by four thickness, three and a half inch. But if you have driveways and stuff, if you're not gonna reinforce with either rebar or wire, or even a fiberglass mesh, consider going to five and a half inches. I have a two by six and do it that way because the heavier vehicles nowadays, you know, you can you can put a crack to a, a three and a half inch driveway, especially if it wasn't done perfectly, kind of easy. So, and then also consider budget wise, the style of finish that you're going to do. For me, it was, Tony always did kind of a, a great expansion joint. And then he did usually a window box edging troweled and then broomed in the middle and that was kind of my signature patio it kind of was something of an upgrade because i didn't always just do gray i oftentimes used colored concrete most of the time it was a an earth tone type of color and then i would go back and seal it or i would have the customer seal it for themselves afterwards to hold in that color and not fade over time you know the pavers you you all seen those paver patios and block wall type of stuff. Pavers really surround preparation more, even more than concrete. That substrate preparation, that, that base underneath, and then the, the grating and the sand fill right where everything has to be compacted. Everything has to be done really, really, I don't wanna say perfectly, but you really have to pay attention to it. Because if it's not, and you start putting in your little pavers, then all of a sudden you'll see things higher here and higher there. And it really takes a lot of time to go back with a rubber mallet or a dead blow hammer and start trying to level each and every little block you're putting in. A very stable, well-prepared substrate under the pavers will be key to withstand years of weather, water, freeze and thaw, and the weight that you're gonna be putting on it, especially if it's a driveway. Usually a four inch where I came from, 
Usually a four inch substrate minimum was uh, an industry standard. But in many cases, especially for driveways, we had to excavate down and get like six inches, six inches of substrate and then an inch or two inch of compacted sand. And we used to throw the pipes down and then fill to the top of the pipes and then pull those, fill the grooves, and then we could start putting in the pavers. The paver project is then either trimmed or you can do a couple of things. You can do a mortared edge to hold those edges in. You have a, a heavy mortar, light concrete rock type of troweled in edge right on the edges. And you'll see some of the pictures of this when you go over to the YouTube channel and check it out. It'll, it'll be very, very self-explanatory. But mortaring those edges in tend to hold it in there. You can also have a deliberate concrete edging that you can pave up to if you want. And some people do uh, the, flexible, the flexible metal and stake that in place as far as the edging goes. For me, it was always a mortared edge. It was just easier that way. Then on top of those pavers is the sand infill. It, it's kind of spread out over the top surface of your new paver patio or walkways or whatever you're doing. And then they're all broomed into the joints. Industry standards nowadays usually calls for what they call a polymeric sand that infiltrates the joints. And then you broom the heck out of that surface getting as much as you can down in between those joints of each and every little paver. And then once that is, you blow off the, the remainder of the dust and come back and moisten the entire project and allow the water to get down into that polymeric sand. And it literally hardens it, not like concrete, but a, um, like there's a binding agent in the polymeric sand that really makes it super hard and super stable for the whole project. It also prevents, you know, ants from pushing their little mounds up through and it just, it keeps it much more stable over the long haul. So unless you're really going on the cheap, don't forget the polymeric sand. These surfaces should provide plenty of space and then some for driveways. Consider those durable surfaces, as I mentioned before, all the way around your home for 24 hour safe navigation. If you have to go out for some reason at nighttime and you have to check your property around your house, back, side, and front yards, it's nice that you don't have to step off into dirt, weeds, stickers, etc. That's what these durable surfaces really pay off. And not only that, but the navigation of, you know, bringing in a new refrigerator down the side driveway. And another angle that I want you to consider is make sure you do flares at the ends of walkways. And what I mean flares is if you have a four foot walkway and you're coming up to the driveway or you're coming up to the back patio, flare that walkway out to easily six feet and sometimes even more. It makes easy transition. It allows for people to pass by. And for you with lawn mowers, ride on mowers, dolly carts with a refrigerator or a new uh, washer and dryer that you're having to navigate around the walkway, that four foot and that six foot flare is gonna come in really, really handy then. Same with driveways. You know, a, a standard 16 foot driveway, it just barely allows for you to open those cars. So if you can, if you have the space, consider two foot driveway extensions on either side. The narrow side of your driveway and then the yard side of your driveway if you can. It will go a long ways to saving door dings and the ease of parking and the ease of car maintenance, getting in between and washing, etc. Those things are really, really important. 
All right, lastly for durable surfaces. Since about 99% of most houses and properties are kind of rectilinear in nature, in other words, they're all right-angled, straight type of stuff, consider curves to your walkways. Consider curves for your back patios, if you can. It doesn't have to be really drastic, but just a little bit. It'll add a little more work in the prep time, but it will really look slick and it'll tend to soften the looks of all the straight fence, straight wall, etc. Don't forget your planning phase. Don't forget, like all aspects of landscaping, planning here is key for the hardscape phase. It usually will occur after demolition and most underground work like irrigation and drainage. Not always, but sometimes. Always keep in mind the steps after the hardscape installation when you're doing the hardscape installation. Sleeve the walkways for lighting cable, for water, for, for anything futuristic. Don't forget gas lines and electrical conduit if you're going to be doing things down the road later on. Very, very important. Plan for your electrical, plan for that, that gas line, plan for those lighting cables that are going to go light up that big maple tree or whatever you're putting in. All right, moving forward, let's talk about some other hardscape elements in the landscape. Water features, sheds, outdoor kitchens and barbecues, fire pits, patio covers and arbors, and lastly, kind of garden art and whimsy. All of these hardscape elements, and in many cases, are luxury items but they can add great aesthetic and visual appeal and function to your landscape. In some cases, like the design series I did over on the YouTube channel, I drew in a new larger shed that would really add functionality and storage capacity for the client, resulting in a total clearing of the existing one-car garage so they could actually get a car in there if they wanted to, but more importantly, it would be a traffic flow pattern out to their backyard instead of going through a master bedroom. So remember, sheds, if you got the room, can really alleviate space in places that you could use it most, like in your garage. Garages were never seriously built initially to house anything other than a car. It wasn't, they weren't always meant for super storage capacities and they weren't meant for work, workplaces. Sheds now come to the forefront there. So consider one if you have the room and the space. Kitchens, outdoor kitchens and water features really take, you know, residential landscapes to another level. They really do. Having such convenience as an outdoor cooking area without having to do the back and forth plus that ambiance out in the landscape of flowing or dripping or falling water are really quite the rage as long as the checkbook is big enough. But before or during hardscape considerations, maybe some advanced thought will have your gas and electric lines and your conduit pre-placed in these areas for maybe a future project after you recover from the initial landscape. Now, considering structural landscape like patio covers, the sheds I mentioned, wind screens, and privacy screens. These additional add-ons can be pricey from a professional perspective, but if you have the talent or can teach yourself to have the talent, or you've got high people in low places within your circle of influence that have the skills, these aspects of hardscape can be done easily, 50% discount or more compared to professional hiring making them 
a heck of a lot more financially palatable in the long run. Patio covers, either wood, steel, or aluminum, really extend the outdoor living experience three seasons plus. And you add in like a fire pit or overhead heating with propane or natural gas, and now the availability for outdoor enjoyment extends to a full four seasons easily. You know, I never really dabbled a lot with the aluminum or steel type of patio covers. I had a great subcontractor that that's all he did, him and his crew. And so I used them quite a bit, but I did build about two dozen really nice latticed shade arbors from Redwood back in the day over my landscaping career. That was when you could actually afford Redwood. Now, man, that's like, that's fibrous gold in my book. Lastly, in this kind of genre is the realm of decks. If your site calls for, these can easily be researched and built DIY style with a modicum, with a modicum of research and carpentry skill. They can. A little bit of measuring, a little bit of leveling, and you can be off and running fairly easily. So don't forget about those options. Now water features, hey, water features are a love of mine for the past 25 years. I, th I think they kick almost any landscape up a notch or 10. Keeping them simple and in the DIY realm calls for the, the simpler to install kits and or the smaller pondless waterfalls that I have mentioned in past episodes. These are really fun side of landscape construction. And when done right, can add years of hassle-free enjoyment and attract wildlife like birds and other critters, you know, frogs, etc., which I had at Weed Patch Ranch quite a bit. Yes, you know, the, the hardscape of a landscape is often the lesser thought stepchild of landscape construction and often not thought of right away. But in reality, it is just as important, if not more important, than any of the greenery that we punch into the ground. You know something? Consider your hardscape options. Make sure you have it within your budget, but don't forget about it. Don't undersize it by any means. For patios, I suggest if you have if you have measurements for patio furniture or you already have the patio furniture, take it out there and pre-place it and then start doing some measuring and see if you have enough room. And if you can, expand. More room you'll grow into, less room you spill over. So remember that. Hey guys, thanks for listening. Take a minute and check out my website for the educational ebook and course. Really appreciate the purchases that I had last week. I really, really do. As always, if you have questions, I'm only an email away at youryardcoach at gmail.com. Please jump over to the YouTube channel today. Take a look at some of the video part that I've done for this topic, and I hope you enjoy it. I really do. As always, to your landscape success. As always, I'll catch you next week. Thanks for tuning in. Enjoy the rest of your travel or your day. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to the Yard Coach Podcast. Don't forget to head over to the website at youryardcoach.com where you will find more DIY landscape education, including the free 15-step DIY landscape checklist, Coach Matt's ebook called Landscaping Simplified, and the flagship digital course, Homescape 1.0. As always, if you have any questions or comments, you can email Coach Matt directly at youryardcoach at gmail.com. We'll see you right here next week.